starts off with the Apostle Peter healing in the name of Jesus and his power, the lame beggar. And so we're going to be talking all about healing and God's power. Is that awesome? Let's praise God for that. So let me, uh, let me pray that God would bless the reading of his word and uh, that, um, that we would then go from there and, and open up his word together. Father, thank you for a blessed time of worship and testimony. And uh, God, we want to continue to give you the praise and glory. So would you bless us now as we open your word, as we talk about it? God, would you um, meet each of us where we need to be met, in our hearts and our minds? And God, ultimately we're praying for life transformation, but not because of anything that we plan or do, but as was said, it's all because of you. And so God, we're asking for your blessing And we look forward to being a part of whatever it is that you're going to do, starting this morning together, as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, a couple weeks ago, I took my my daughter uh, and her friend into New York City and uh, to see a a Christian concert. And um, I had dropped them off at the theater, and I went to park the car. And just as a note, if you don't know, it's very expensive to park your car in New York City. So, uh, you know, after you take out a second mortgage so you can park in the parking deck, right? So I'm walking from the parking deck to, um, uh, you know, to the theater, and I pass by a guy. And, you know, when you're in the city walking around, you really can never know what to expect, right? And so I saw a guy sitting there, and, and, he, was, um, and he was begging. And he was a, a beggar, and he was looking for, for money, and he had a, a little box out, you know, but he was trying to be creative and to get attention. And so he had a, um, a sign in front of him, and then he had a mask. And so I, as I passed by, I noticed he had a mask. It was a big mask, and it was a Donald Trump face. And he had a, a sign that said, Give me a dollar or I'm voting for Trump. Isn't that funny? <laughs> so no matter where you stand, you know, politically, the point was is that, man, he was being creative, you know. There's probably somebody around the block doing the same thing with the Hillary mask, whatever. But, you know, but the point is, is that it, he caught my attention and I, I stopped. I didn't give him a dollar, but it wasn't because of what he was asking for, you know. But um, I just thought, man, you know, he was trying to, to get attention because he did have a need. And he was, you know, coming up with a creative, clever way, you know, to, to do that. But don't oftentimes we just kind of walk by people that are in need? I mean, most of us, probably all of us, have been in New York City and either working there or just for whatever, you go see a show or something, and inevitably you're passing by somebody that is in need. And I remember this one time, even after having served on the relief bus many times and, you know, intentionally helping the, uh, uh, the hurting and the homeless in New York, but... I remember walking by, I had to get somewhere, and there was a young lady. She looked like she'd be on the street for years. And she had a little dog with her. And even the dog looked so sad and helpless and had a little sign out that just said, Would you please help me and my dog? And I'll never forget that because you know what I did? I walked right by. But then as I did, and it wasn't even immediately afterwards, it started to hit me. Why didn't I stop? 
And then, you know, you start thinking and, well, I can't stop for everybody and, and all that. You know, I can pray for them. I didn't even think of it at the time, but there was something about that that really stuck with me. You know, that there's so many people, you don't even have to go into New York City to know that there are people around us in our communities, whether it's here in Walt Township or Lakewood or, or Asbury Park or Elizabeth or every other town where there is people in need. And there are people that you might drive by that have a sign or look like they need help. And can we stop by every time and, and help every one of them? No, practically we can't. But it's a reminder that there is such a need. You know, there's this great ministry that happens every winter for a month. I think it's the month of February, where all of the, the, the New York and sort of tri-state area ministries to the homeless, they gather together in what they do in a concerted effort on four Saturdays in a row in the month of February, and they get volunteers, thousands of volunteers from around the country, they come out and they canvass every single block of Manhattan. And they have it, you know, it's a grid, right? And so they map it out and they go around, and at the end of those four weeks, every single block, every homeless person is connected with. And what they do, if anybody really has a need, they will put them on a special shuttle, van, or bus that they have and bring them back to a church where they can spend the night out of the cold and have a hot meal. And then in the morning, there's a counselor that will talk to them and help them to, to know like what resources are available, you know, so that, um, so that maybe they don't have to go back to where they were found. And you know what it's called? It's simply called, don't walk by. Just don't walk by. Now, you know, we know that we can't, again, we can't stop every time, but here is an effort to make sure that every single soul has a connection. And then, of course, the ultimate goal is to not only share uh, a way to help them and to get them resources that lead to life transformation, but it really is in that to be able to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning's passage in our series which is simply titled Acts, the unstoppable mission of the church, is really all about the beginning of that mission. You remember we already saw in Acts 1 and 2, we we saw the beginning of the church and the Holy Spirit coming. They were told by Jesus, their leader, to wait right before He ascended, right? And He said, stay in Jerusalem, my friends and followers, and wait for the power to be able to do what I'm calling you to do, to fulfill that great commission. And so we saw that last week where the Holy Spirit came and empowered them. And then Peter preached this awesome spirit-filled and empowered sermon. Shared the gospel. Remember, 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. And the church went from about 120, it said, to 3,000, right? We can pray that for our church. That's okay. But, you know, then we saw how they actually started to live that out at the end of Acts Acts chapter 2. I'll get it. Remember, they were, they were gathered together and they were um, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to breaking bread together. They had everything in common. You know, it was because they were of one accord and they, they had a, a common mission. And we know that Christ's mission is now our mission. That's our legacy. And we are following in the apostles' footsteps, in the leaders' footsteps, and we are carrying on the unstoppable mission of this thing called the church. 
And remember, the church is not these four walls. We are the church. You look around and you see everybody here. We all look different. We all active. We have different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different ways of thinking and processing the world around us. But yet God calls us to a common purpose and a common goal. And even what we just did in sharing testimony is a big part of what he has called us to do, to encourage one another, to use our gifts and talents to, uh, to uplift the church so that we can continue to be a witness to the world. And that's exactly what we see happening here in Acts chapter 3. That as the Apostle Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit, heals the lame beggar, we see the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. And how it all was about a witness and a testimony to the power of Jesus Christ. And that really is what we're about. I'm kind of giving you the application and summary at the beginning. And some of you are like, good, that means we can leave now, right? No, that's not it. We haven't even read it together. So here's what we're going to do. If you can turn to Acts chapter 3. It'll be up on the screen for you as well. I'm reading from the, uh, the ESV. Uh, that's the version that will be up on the screen as well. But um, um, I'm going to read it. It's the whole chapter. And if you remember, I said at the beginning of our series a few weeks ago that to get through the book of Acts in a little less than a year, we're going to take off bigger chunks. But that's okay. We can't, of course, go verse by verse. Uh, but we want to look at exactly what's happening here. And what's our takeaway? How do we apply these principles Um, that God has for us here in this chapter. All right, so the two main things that are happening is Peter uh, and John are together going up to the temple in the hour of prayer and worship. Um, Peter heals the lame beggar, uh, and then Peter preaches an awesome sermon, okay? So that's really what's happening. So let's read it. Uh, You can follow along as I read it, all right? So Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, 
when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And in His name, by faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that His Christ would suffer, He thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive, until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him, are proclaimed these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. It's a great sermon, right? And so here we see exactly what's happening. I want to give you a little bit of a picture of what's going on. And then we can see some really important principles for us just in in our last 10 to 15 minutes together. All right. And so first of all, it says that Peter and John were together. And we know that Jesus sent his disciples out two by two, right? It was a good principle for them. And so Peter and John were together like they were often. They were going up to the temple, the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That was about three o'clock. And uh, there were certain times during the day when uh, the people had to gather to worship, to prayer, to give an offering. And so, of course, Peter and John knew that the place would be crowded. So what a great time to offer witness to the power of Jesus Christ. They were preaching the resurrection. We talked all about that last week, right? that the gospel, the early gospel that they preached was always focused on the resurrected Savior. That the Messiah came, yes, that He was crucified on the cross, which everybody knew, but not everybody knew about the resurrection. So they were going around preaching, He's alive. He is alive. He has come back from the grave. So therefore we have hope of life, this world and the life to come. So they were going up to offer prayer at the time. And it says, there was also a lame man who was being carried, because he couldn't walk, which he was, which was often done at that time. Of course, he also knew that it was a very crowded and busy time. So there'd be a lot of people. So when he cried out, alms, alms, right? Which simply means, you know, would you give to me, to somebody poor and needy? It says everybody there knew him. They recognized him as that guy. So he was there as well. So here's the scene. You have Peter and John walking up, right, to the temple for the time of prayer. And here is the man who was just put there to uh, to, uh, ask 
and to beg, a lame beggar asking for alms. And Peter and John are there. And you can picture what's happening. There's tons of people, hundreds of people just walking by. Just walking right by. And he's saying alms and alms. And and so here are Peter and John. And it kind of alludes to the fact that, you know, he didn't know if they were going to stop. But of course, it's what he has to do. So alms, alms, he says. And Peter and John stop and they say, look at us. Now that was kind of odd, right? That was kind of odd for somebody to do that. So it says that he was anticipating that they would give something to him. He was ready to receive something. But what is it that Peter says, right? And this really is sort of the crux of the whole chapter. In verse 6, Peter said, it says that he was expecting, uh, that the beggar was expecting to receive something, right? Because they fixed their attention. It says, Peter said, verse 6, I have no silver or gold. That's what he wanted, right? He wanted money. Peter says, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. What a great principle in giving. We went over that, remember, as maybe a month or so ago, talking about the blessedness of giving and how whatever you have, you can give. You don't have to have a lot of money to give. We give out of what we have. He says, I don't have silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There really is the center point of this whole passage. And then Peter goes on to preach this awesome spirit-empowered sermon all based on that. And he's basically saying, I don't have what you're looking for, but what I have is what's best for you. Isn't that the way God works with us? Isn't that like our relationship with God? That we come before God and say, God, I know what I need, and here's my list. You know, um, let's get this done quickly, right? It's kind of like how the way we work, but what is happening here? The beggar, he, he thinks he knows, like, all he needs is some money, which he's used to getting here and there, and So they stop and he's ready to receive it. But Peter says, I don't have really what you're looking for, but what I have is so much better. And he says, what I do have, I'm ready to give. Right? That was a picture of how Acts chapter 2 just ended. About how they had everything in common and they gave as there was need. Remember it said that? And so here, Peter says, I don't have the silver and gold, but what I do have... I'm going to give it to you. Before we get to the next thing that he says, what's really interesting is that in the temple courts, the temple area, they would enter through a series of gates. There was one that would go through the, it was like the main gate and there was different gates. They would go through a gate to get into the general temple area. And the outside area was the court of the Gentiles, a really big sort of open area space where people could gather, the Gentiles could gather, Right? But then there was another gate that would enter into the real temple area where the Gentiles were not allowed. There was a court of men. There was a court of women. The court of men, of course, the women then couldn't go further on. But there was different entrances, right? So the court of the Gentiles. And then there was uh, a gate leading into the temple area. Most scholars believe that this is the gate uh, that is being called the beautiful gate. Actually, um, in historical records, there's really no, not even through the traditions of, 
um, of the Jewish people that there's really a record of a gate actually being called the beautiful gate. So it seems that there was one particular gate, which we do know about from Josephus, a church historian, that there was a, um, that there was, uh, nine gates, but one, and they all were adorned with beautiful gold and silver, right? You can imagine that. The gate being adorned with that, even the posts. But there was one gate that wasn't made of silver and gold. It was made of Corinthian bronze. And you know what? Supposedly that gate was worth so much more than the others that were adorned with silver and gold. And it seems that from the description, the beautiful gate, and where beggars probably would be, that this is probably the gate where he was and that Peter and John were entering through. So perhaps as they were walking, Peter noticed this was not the gate adorned with silver and gold. He said, I don't have silver and gold for you. But what I do have is so much more valuable. Just like that Corinthian bronze door was so much more valuable, he says, what I have is more valuable and I'm going to give it to you. And then what does he say next? He says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Right? So there it is. It was all done in the powerful name of Jesus. Because the apostles were not there to get attention for themselves. And that's really how he starts his sermon. His his incredible sermon that he's about to preach. Because what happens is, he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he takes them by the right hand. And he gets up and all of a sudden, the, the lame beggar realizes that his, his bones are now working. He has been healed. And then look at what happens next. It says in verse 8, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. Back in the Old Testament, there were laws that said if you were tainted, if you were lame, in some way, you were not able to enter into the temple to worship. You had to stand outside. So here for his whole life, because this man was lame by birth, he had to be outside the temple gates. He could never go in and worship with the other people. But now, he is healed in the power of the name of Jesus. And now, he can go and truly worship God. Isn't that awesome? It says that he then goes into the temple and he's worshiping. And he can, it says he's leaping for joy all the way. He's skipping and jumping, right? And leaping for joy and praising God. He also doesn't keep it to himself. He's telling everybody about what happened. So they go into worship. Can you just picture what it would have been like for him? He just received healing in the name of Jesus. Physically. But also we know, how does it relate to us spiritually, right? He is now able to worship. When we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, we receive spiritual healing. And we are restored and reconciled to our God, our Maker, through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we see what a great picture of that's what's happening here. So they go into the temple, and now he's worshiping with everybody else. A new man from the inside out. But then it says, after that, 
It says, uh, of course, all the people recognized it. They knew this was the guy. This is the guy who is, he's always there. He's been lame since birth. But you know what? They all left after the time of worship. And they went out to what's called Solomon's Porch or Solomon's Portico. So that was sort of a part of the outside wall of the temple area. It was like a big meeting place. All right? And so it was a popular place for gathering. So it says in verse 11, right before he preaches, it says, here's what's happening. He clung to Peter and John, the beggar did, all the people utterly astounded. They ran, uh, ran together to them in the portico. So everybody left because they all wanted to know what happened, right? And they were all astonished. So they all got together in Solomon's porch and they were just like, we can't believe what you just did. We're so amazed and they were just like staring, right? It's like, can we have your autograph? You know, it's that kind of thing. They were just amazed at what he had just done. So verse 12, this is how he has to start his sermon. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why are you staring at us? As though it was by our own power of piety that we made him walk. And then he goes on to explain. We don't have time to to go through all of it. And he's saying it was Jesus. It was his power that made this lame beggar walk. That gave him a new life. He said it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that did it. The God of the fathers. And he reminded them about how they had rejected. uh, The people had rejected the Messiah sent for them. But then he goes on to say in verse 19, Repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And he gives a great promise. Reminding them of the promise of what the Messiah was going to bring, and then what the future was to bring as well. That there would be a time of restoration for His people. But He's saying, you know what? Here is your opportunity to receive the same kind of healing. Not physically, but the same kind of healing that God just did for this lame beggar through us. So what they did is they pointed everything to Jesus. We need to always do the same thing, don't we? We need to go and share the gospel, to share the message of repentance, right? He talked about their sin. Notice that? He didn't just say, give your life to Jesus and everything will be great, right? Why do we need to uh, surrender our lives to the Lord? Because of our sinfulness before God our Maker. So he talks about their sinfulness and their positions and he says, but now repent and turn from your ways. And that means to then turn to the Lord Jesus. So everything they did pointed a witness and a testimony to the Lord Jesus and to his healing and saving power. And so at the end, he says at the end of his message, God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Again, we'll end with this. They preached the resurrected Christ. That is what we are to do as well. Do you know that that is the cornerstone of our faith? That we believe in a man who is truly human and truly God at the same time. That He died a real physical death But they actually, in bodily form, was raised to life. We believe that. That's the cornerstone of our faith as Christians. And we need to proclaim that. 
And that's got to be how we live it out. So we need to take a great example from what Peter and John did, right? And recognize the fact that we, what we have to offer to the people in the world around us is so much more precious than silver and gold. When we pass a beggar on the streets, we can give them silver and gold. We can give them money that they need. But what's more precious than that? To come alongside of them, to offer them help, to offer them peace, to offer them freedom, to offer them hope. And that is all wrapped up in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for um, opening Your Word to us. God, we can't get into so much detail that You have there for us, but we thank You for these great principles that You lay out for us that we are to follow in the footsteps of the apostles and by preaching Your Word as they went around and offered healing to people. God, we know that we have a message We have a story to tell, our own stories, and the story of God who sent a Savior to take away the sins of the world, to take away our sins. God, my prayer is that if there is anyone here this morning that has not yet surrendered their heart to You, that perhaps, God, today would be the day of salvation that You would get a hold of their hearts. We know, Father God, that it's all in Your power. That You are the one that, uh, that saves. You are the one that removes the veil. You are the one who changes hearts and minds and draws people into Yourself. So, Father God, I'm asking, Lord, that You would remind each of us that we are but beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. God, remind us that even in salvation and new life in Christ, that we are still but beggars because we are totally relying upon You for every breath that we take. It's Your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to You only. Remind us of that, God, daily that we would be humble before You and before others, recognizing that, but that we as beggars would then show the other beggars where they can find the bread of life and the water so that they will never thirst again. The living water. We thank You, God, for that. Thank You for Your Word to us today. In Jesus' powerful name, Amen.